ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. The Tigers are not looking like a complete team, but nobody else really is either. Clemson is 2-1, and one, and humble pie tastes gross. Welcome back, everyone, to the Clemson Podcast. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben. We are here to recap the Georgia Tech game and make sense of this Clemson football team through about a quarter mark of the season. Ben, good to be back on the air with you. It's been a little bit since we connected, really since our season preview show. A lot's happened since then. How are you doing with the season start so far? Well, you know, Tully, I've been ghosted twice on dating apps this week. I just realized that I've also been eating gluten-free tortilla chips. So it could be worse. Could be worse. And it's hot here. It's like really hot in San Francisco. I mean, as hot as the offensive staff seats, you know? So, and we don't have air conditioning. I know people in the South are like, it's 80. You're fine. Not inside. When it's 80 inside, it's terrible. Yeah, it sucks sleeping when it's hot like that and you don't have AC, so I can vouch for that. Uh, but you win some, you lose some, Ben. Uh, keep getting out there in the dating scene. Gluten-free chips, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe go go full bore. You know, it's supposed to be corn anyway. I thought something so, was off. You know, I, it, yeah. it explains a lot, let's put it that way. Yeah, well, at least it's distracted you a little bit from the, uh, the, the, the lament over a weird start to this Clemson football season. You would think, though, Ben, judging by some of the feelings and you know text messages I've got and tweets I've seen, that we would be losing games by 30 points just based on how people are feeling right now, and um, that's not the case. And you know, at least a very big portion of this football team is playing at you know a very elite level, possibly a championship level. Um, it's just not a complete team and not a complete you know a complete work just yet. So I think we're here in this show. Obviously, let's talk about the Georgia Tech game, but really to kind of make sense of what this team is and what it, what changes need to be made for it to hit its remaining potential. Um, we do not have the answers, but you know that won't stop us from trying. Yeah, let's give it a shot. I mean, well, we're not losing 30 to nothing because nobody's going to put up 30 points against us. Um, but 30 might be all it takes against some teams. Um, considering how inept this offense is. And, you know, I don't blame the fans. I mean, this is not the level of Clemson football that we have, you know, come to expect to see over the last several years. Um, And there's really no excuse for it with all the talent that's on this team on both sides of the ball. You know, it's showing out on on defense. So, you know, that's working out for us. But on the offensive side of the ball is it's a mess right now. Um, And, you know, we always have to be careful um, not to criticize 18 to 20 year old, 22 year old kids, right? We're, I'm almost 40, you're over the hill. Um, it's not a good look for us to sit here and do that, but we can, you know, Seat Geek pegged us 200 bucks once to analyze football. Um, and so that's what we're going to do. And really, in my mind, it all it, it comes back to the coaching staff, to be honest with you. It, it's less the, 
the kids and their effort on the field, everything that I hear from these coaches, everything they say, it's like a broken record. And I'm over it, to be honest with you. It's not that I don't think that they can't right the ship and turn this thing around. Uh, they brought us to two national championships. At least Dabo has and, and several of the assistant coaches. Um, but what we're seeing on the field right now is just unusual. And there's really no excuse for it. I mean, to, to beat Georgia Tech 14 to eight and then to have Dabo come out and say that uh, we don't sneak on offense. I mean, come on, man. Like he's speaking out his dab hole there. Yeah. What I'd really like to get into starting out with a yeah, it's what we do. Um, here Ben is break that down a little bit like where would we attribute or spread out some of the the reasons for the performance we've seen between coaching staff and elements of of the players I agree with you though we're not here to you know finger point at specific individuals and say like if this guy were only performing better like this would look differently I think it's really um really looking at what could be improved or you know if not like how can you how can you work around that scheme around that or you know, get different personnel looks on the field. Like, I think this, this conversation I want to have with you is about like, what solutions are there on the table still for the team this year? What we could definitely talk about. And I love, I love getting into with people is like, what are some of the more macro program driven things that have gotten us to this point? There are several of those. I don't know how productive it is to dwell on some of that though. So maybe what we could do here is just say them out loud but acknowledge that we're not going to dive in at this point on the transfer portal and like recruiting takes certain positions and like just roster management as a whole. You come to this, you come to this po podcast, we have quacking tiger on, we dwell, we've already hit on a lot of that stuff over the, over the years. Um, there's also questions about staff makeup. You know, the fact that we've got a wide receiver and a running backs coach that are, this is their first gig as coaches at any level. We've got Robbie Caldwell. You know, some some feel that um, Robbie Caldwell, you know, his his best coaching days are in the rear view and not ahead of him. And th those things are not going to get fixed this season, Ben, you know, adjusting to those right. things. Dabo's not going to be able to do any of that in the middle of the season. And, you know, the last point that I'll make, and I would I would honestly almost say, like, calls for the OC's head, calls for Tony Elliott's head. Um, I don't I don't think that's an in-season resolution either. You know, one of the macro things that I myself think about is only having Clemson voices really on this offensive staff. It gets homogenous. You, you, you end up with a lack of fresh ideas. Certainly these coaches are out there. They're not just paying attention to our program. You know, they're out there having conversations. They're networking, all that. But it's a little different from that. And then having guys in there working 90 hours a week, coming up from other staffs around the country to get new ideas ingested. But all those things we'd love to see, that's off-season stuff. That's like macro program level stuff. And we're here to debate that. We're here to talk through it. If you guys want to tweet at us, let's go for it. But I, that's not going to help us this season. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, well, and Dab was not going to, I mean, he's very unlikely to, to make those moves this season. That's something that's going to happen at the end of the season. Um, but I yeah. mean, really, I know what, what we're talking about here, when we're talking about the coaching staff, we're talking about the offensive side of the ball. Um, and Definitely. the more, the more I've been thinking about it and, you know, the more I've watched and gone back and rewatched these games, I think DJ is getting a bad rap. I don't think it's DJ. Like we all wonder, like, where was the DJ from Boston college, Notre Dame? Well, uh, that DJ had 
at least an experienced and competent offensive line um, who passed pass protected well, um, you know, wasn't great in the running game, but at least they pass protected well. You had wide receivers who uh, in Cornell Powell and Amari Rogers that caught the ball. They knew how to block. They knew how to run the route, the right routes. Um, you had ETN, Got Travis, separation. Travis ETN, like a all generational running back. Um, the tight ends still were not very good, uh, but you had all those pieces around him. So now you look at this team he doesn't have that. And to me, it's all those different pieces. And that falls on the coaching staff. When the wide receivers aren't blocking, when Brayden Galloway's been here, what, three years, four years now, and he still yeah. can't block, and he's dropping balls all over the place. And guys like Frank Lanson and Joe Ngata, um, third years in the program, you know, it's it just gets – it turns all back to the coaching staff for me. And I'm not ready to to mail this season in. Like Cody and I talked about it. In the recap last week, we'll know a lot more about this team after, you know, about six games into the season. And I'm still willing yeah. to give it that long before we really make any proclamations. But things need to get turned around fast. And I think we're going to see that. Like, and it's all going to come to a head this weekend against, or it could, against NC State. You know, they've got an offense that can score points. We'll see what their defense is able to do. But it doesn't take an all-world defense, as we've seen, to stop this offense. I mean, let, let me give you a couple yeah, seconds. Let me give you a couple of stats. Georgia Tech had more offensive yards against our defense, a top five defense in the country, than we had against theirs. That's number one. Number two, our offense has been responsible for giving up 43% of the points we've given up to opposing teams this year. Like, that's not good. Dabo says we don't stink. We stink. Right now, the offense stinks. Can it get better? Absolutely. It's talent all over the field. It's on the coaches to do that. Let's see if they can. 100% agree. What I do want to tell you, Ben, I've been looking at it and, you know, reading what I can, listening to podcasts here and there. The difference between the Notre Dame and Boston College games and what we've seen so far is actually how defenses are playing DJ. And I don't want to discount, and we are going to get into the offensive line coming up and the role that they played here. But against those teams, they were stacking the box saying, we're not going to let Travis Etienne beat us. They're putting eight in the box and wide receivers on the outside largely had soft zones or one-on-one -on -one coverage. Now we're starting to see defenses say, look, we know you can't run block. We're just going to leave three in the box and see what you can do against them. And let's drop eight, but let's drop, you know, seven guys and um, let's play all of our personnel within the first five to 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. And we also know your receivers can't get separation. So and it, I, that is leading me to under, to believe that this actually is based more around the offensive line and what they're not able to do. Like that's a distinction with last year. And there's all these things are connected. Like the, none of this ha happens in a vacuum. Um, and that's why some of the personnel changes that we've seen this week coming through are going to be interesting to see how they play out. Kobe Pace, he's seen a lot of touches on the season. Lynn J. Dixon, less so. Lynn J. Dixon now in the transfer portal. We can get to him in a minute. I think now that we are solidifying Will Shipley as a starting running back, maybe we can get a little bit more of that fear of God into defensive coordinators that, oh, Clemson's got a stout running back that even if he's not getting the right push from his O-line, he's going to make those extra yards after contact because he's got that drive and that fire and um, obviously the physical traits and skills. Um, that can change the complexion of how def defenses play against this offense and open things up for DJ. 
but I think more importantly, it's going to be schematic to try to break the, you know, schematic and or getting these receivers to run more complicated route trees um, to try to get some separation. Like to me, all these things are hand in hand. And I do think scheme, scheming our way through that and scheming our way around the shortcomings of the so line is going to be what enables this team to make that leap if they actually do it. This, the receivers have been here three or four years. Why aren't they, <laughs> can't they run more complicated routes? Like, I mean, seriously. And why isn't Will Shipley starting at this point? He should be starting. There's another coaching decision. I'm sure they have their own reasons. Uh, he's, he's announced. Yeah. Today, today they announced it. And Davis Allen is starting at tight end. Like those are the two big announcements today. Shipley's now the RB one starter confirmed. So yeah, we're starting to see good decisions happen. Um, and, and, that and, that and decision to, was made pretty easy with Lin Jay going into the portal. Right? And I guess to be fair too, you're not going to have those knee-jerk reactions after first the Georgia game and then the South Carolina State game, right? The Georgia game, you're facing the best defense in the country most likely, and then you have the South Carolina State game, which is an FCS school. Um, so And so it, it is the right point to make this. After the Georgia Tech game, you know there's a problem. It's obvious. It's out there. That was the most dysfunctional I've um, seen this offense operate since uh, you know, three weeks ago. <laughs> but then prior so, to that, it's been, you know, yeah. 10 years. A long time. Yeah, right. So I want to I reference, um, you know, a, a writer and an analyst that I really respect, a guy named Michael Felder. He's an analyst at Stadium Sports, uh, but he's really active on Twitter just on game day and throughout the week. And he was on the Andy Staples podcast, which is on The Athletic. But you can get it you know, out there. Definitely a show you guys should all subscribe to. He talked about Clemson's issues being, you know, we see a lot of things that look like symptoms, but the disease is the offensive line's ineffectiveness. And yeah, he, he made a point, and the point that really stuck to me, he made a lot of great points, and everyone should go listen to this week's show. But the point that stuck with me is when everyone's been up in arms over Dabo and Tony Elliott saying, we were not prepared for that Georgia Tech front. We'd never seen anything like that. We were surprised. Boom, boom, boom. And the last four days, even myself, I've been like, man, how can you be a top five paid offense coordinator and a top three paid coach and be surprised by anything? And it just didn't sit right. And I think the answer to that Felder pointed out is he's like, if you're trying to figure out who on your team is going to play O-line at what position, and if you're trying to teach them, get them comfortable in the fundamentals of snapping the football and, you know, figuring out how to play on a collegiate offensive line in the case of our left guard, you're not, what are you focusing on? You're focusing on you. You're not focusing on nailing your job and on the other team and what, what different, you know, wrinkles they might be running. And that, that hit home for me. Now, Another thing that's really weird, we only played 5-0 linemen in this game, Ben. Like, where's Paul Tio? Where's Mitchell Mays? I know we've had some injuries. It's limited our depth. Uh, where's Hunter Rayburn? You know, Mason Trotter's coming back from injury. Got a few other guys that are shelved for the season. That totally sucks. It's limiting our depth. But, I mean, we're as close to code red on this O-line as possible. And to only play five guys, like, it just makes me wonder why we would only play five. Uh, are these, is this next crop of dudes just really that ineffective or... Did we think, and this might be the case, we're going to win this game against Georgia Tech. We got to get, um, we got to get, this is our starting five. It's a work in progress. We've got to get them these reps. They got to, they got to build continuity. So let's just, let's just roll with the punches, get the win and, and go through it. But I would like to see some more rotations in there.
So Tiger Illustrated actually had a really good article on that today. They came out this afternoon um, and they, they pointed out a lot of reasons why. And they made a lot of parallels to the team last year and how we had no depth, you know, then either. And we were supposed to come into this season with more, more depth. Deb was saying we had nine or ten guys we could run out there. Um, but then, you know, you've got Taquan Johnson goes down. Dietrich Pennington goes down. John Williams goes down and those are all three guys that they expected to get. That was part of that nine or 10 they were talking about. So it is unfortunate in that sense that you lose uh, those three guys, but then why isn't, why couldn't Hunter Rayburn work out at center? Why are we having to move Mac Bockhorst there? Was it's not his ideal position. Obviously you can't help that Mason Trotter um, has the hand injury, uh, but they're essentially what they said was, is we cannot keep going down on the same path as last year and just starting five guys is going to be worn down by the end of the season. So you're going to have to start getting some of these other guys in there. I mean, uh, <laughs> Marcus Tate, God bless him. He's going to be a great lineman. Uh, I predict, especially he's, you know, starting as a true freshman, but I don't know how many times I just see him like wandering around on the field by himself after a plate, nowhere near the ball. Um, and it's, he's a true freshman and, you know, it should have thrown red flags that we were starting a true freshman there. You know, we probably like to think that, oh, it's because he's so good. Um, and he will be good, but you just don't come in <laughs> yeah. as a true freshman and start on the offensive line like that. And he looks like a true freshman. Um, and, and so look, I, and I'm sure Ben, you read about Mac, ba Matt Bockhorst's, um, you know, kind of fiery responses to some criticism that they've getting and saying like, look. We hate this too. We eat criticism for breakfast. Um, and look, like, I, I like to hear that from my players. Um, but at some point, it's like, if it's not working out, like, coaching staff's got to find the right pieces that do work. And, or, you know, this is the five. We got to roll with them. And if we drop a game in North Carolina State, like, that's what, it, that's what it's just got to be. Um, but man, this is maybe a moment where you lament a little bit not taking more guys in prior classes and, you know, potentially not, not preparing this crew, you know, sufficiently or, or the getting the right development out of guys like Rayburn or the transfer yeah, portal. <laughs> totally transfer portal. And like, we're not asking you to go grab four-star running backs from Tennessee or Georgia or Mississippi state. It's no, like, we're, we're point, asking you to grab Jimmy's and Joe's Yeah, asking you to grab a graduate senior who can play ahead of a true freshman. You think a true freshman is going to hit the transfer portal after four games in because he's not getting the start is on the offensive line. No. Yeah. One guy to come in so, for a year and plug a hole. Pl plug yeah, a leak. Agreed. We're not asking for a ton there. And plug a leak. And look, we, we're doing what we said we wouldn't and reference the things that Dabo can't decide to do or control in the season. I, maybe I'll ask you, Ben, like, wh what's the right play here? Robbie Caldwell, Dabo, Thomas Austin, you know, the O-line assistant, Aaron waiting to the O-line coach role. Um do you try to get Paul Tio and Mitchell Mays in more, rotate these guys around, see, see what might work? You try to push Rayburn into that center position and live with his growing pains or you well, stick with Bockhorst here? Well, I do, th I do think, and Tiger Illustrated mentioned this as well, is that you're going to start seeing more Mitchell Mays and Paul Tio just because you have to start rotating these guys in there. If not for this year, like they, you got to have them ready to go next year because we're going to be in the same damn position that we are. Um, yeah. So I, I think that's one of the ways you do it. And, you know, is, is there still time left to coach uh, Hunter Rayburn up so he can 
you know, fill some snaps at center and move back uh, Bach horse back to his natural position to guard ahead of Marcus Tate. Um, that's how, that's the, that's the outcome for me. And I don't know what Trotter's diagnosis is when he'll be able to so football. He can, he, contribute. yeah, he can play guard now. So I think he's, uh, um, he's backing up at right guard, but yeah, snapping is still a long ways off it. And, and Matt Bockhorse, uh, you know, I, I hesitate to give him a lot of crap. I mean, he's learning how to call the assignments on the offensive line. Um, and I know that's a very, it's hard, right? Yeah. It's a very yeah, difficult position read. to play. Yeah. Like he's not used to reading coverages and having that line of communication with DJ. So, um, it's tricky. I feel for the guy and, you know, we want to be patient to a point. I just, I think what you're suggesting is like coach up Rayburn. If he's a, if he's a center, like if that's an aspect of his game and that he's at least got, you know, what, what else can they be working on here to develop? Well, I think what's probably more likely to have most likely to happen is you're going to see these starting five get a lion's shares of the snaps until we ultimately lose a game. And then if we lose a game, then you're going to season's over at that point, two losses. Yeah. Um, one of them, an ACC loss, throw the Georgia loss out the window. That doesn't matter anymore because everybody's seen how this team plays. And then I, I think you see the coaching staff start to put some of these other guys in because the season's it, it's lost at that point when your goals make the playoff. Um, yep. Uh, then anything short of that is disappointing. I know Dabo would tell us that winning the ACC, um, you know, is one of those third goal, the third goal or whatever. Uh, but as, as fans, I don't expect fans just to be content with that. Um, especially because it's not, it's, about, it's not saying yeah. much these days to win the ACC. Um, it's just not if you're not making the playoffs. Well, and that then it becomes about developing your team for next year. Exactly. Get right back to the mountaintop, right? So I, I fully agree with you. That's a really good point that, you know, still we're ninth in the country right now through three games. All hell could break loose. Like this team still has a playoff shot. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, the ACC like, sucks, and you've seen what everybody else is doing around college football. Like there's I, – I still maintain I, – I know everybody – thinks that Alabama lost some of its luster because of the close game with Florida, but that tells me more about Florida than it does Alabama, I think. And it's still the third game into the season. So I would still put Alabama head and shoulders far and away ahead of everybody else. Um, I'd have Florida Florida high up there. Yeah. But everybody's got issues. Now's the time to place your Alabama bets, everybody. The odds did not change much after Saturday's result. So that tells you what Vegas and the betting community thinks, but um, yeah, now, now is still a good time to do that. But anyway, Ben, um, I think for O-line, and I think we've taught, touched on personnel here, like personnel changes the coaching staff could make and has made um, O-line. We hit running back. We say goodbye to Lynn J Dixon. Clearly you could have some questions as a fan about how this was handled. Um, Lynn J came back last year. That would have been a good time potentially for him to transfer or coming into this season, he, he chose to stay as a Tiger. We'll always appreciate him and his time at Clemson. Um, the bottom line, I think with some of the issues of this offense, the coaching staff needed Will Shipley and his explosiveness. Like That became a critical part of this offense. You saw it against Georgia Tech. We don't win this game, I don't think, if Lynn J. Dixon is taking every Will Shipley carry. So you know, it kind of is what it is. We do wish, wish Lynn J. the best. Um, but I will, what I will say is, it's 
it's kind of better that it's playing out this way, I think, for the Clemson football team in that now you free up those carries to go to either our most talented running back remaining on the roster in Shipley or to be able to have developmental carries for guys that are going to be contributing roles down the line in Kobe Pace and probably Phil Mappa, uh, the true freshman coming in. Right. Uh, they've talked about Mikey Dukes coming in and stepping in and getting some more carries. I'm not um, that confident we're going to see a huge improvement with his game throughout his um, time here at Clemson. But, you know, it, it, it doesn't much matter if your offensive line can't block. It doesn't matter who's in the backfield. We saw that last year. So it, it sucks to, lo- to lose Lin Jay at worst. He was the second best running back on the team. I think he's better than Kobe Pace. I don't know. Was, yeah. no, nobody knows what was going on off the field, um, whether it was in the classroom or whatever, but he got in the doghouse and that's on him, to be honest with you. Young kid making yeah. mistakes. That happens, but it, it, it's on him. So I'm, I'm not going to blame the coaching staff for that. And I think as far as discipline is concerned, we've been very happy with the way the dad has handled that in the past. And, I, you know, who are we to question him there? Um, he runs, a, a for the most part, a very clean program. And um, in large part, that's because of the way he operates and treats these situations. So um, all the best to Lin Jay. Um, I hope he lands at a, a decent school next year and gets an opportunity to play. Do I think he, do I think he's an NFL running back? No. Um, but I think he'd be a good college running back for somebody. It's too bad. It's yeah. not for us. Ben, we, we also referenced a personnel starting, starting swap at tight end. Davis Allen's going to take over tight end one duties. I still think you're going to see Braden Galloway get on the field, but too many drops and no value in the blocking game. And he's become more of a liability to this offense. So the other thing I noticed in this game, like no idea why he was the guy that was out there on the state on the play that resulted in a safety against Georgia tech. That's a play where we needed a yard. We needed two yards. Like why we got Galloway in there. Head scratcher. Yeah. And then Dabo says he hasn't played bad this year. Although we can all see with our own eyes watching him play. Can't block anybody. He's dropping the ball all over the place. Um, yeah. So either that's a think, ta- talent evaluation miss or goes back to coaching, goes back to Danny Pierman and the, and the tight ends. So, um, and uh, I want to ask you, this is maybe a good time to address like some of Dabo and Tony Elliott's comments. Do you think some of what we're hearing from Dabo is, I mean, he's never going to get out there and criticize players out in the media, but do you think there's even more of a, a feeling from Dabo right now that he's a little worried about the one way transfer portal? Exactly. Heading out and, and just, you know, is he doing any kind of like damage control with Braden Galloway's ego or, you know, psyche? I think Um, that's, I think that is a a part of what it is, Um, especially since he knows he's not going to bring anybody in, in the transfer portal. So he only stands to lose people. And uh, he's, listen, he's not Nick Saban. He's not going to be like Nick Saban and thank God he's not going to be like Nick Saban. He's built this program his own way. But there is some value into looking at Nick Saban and what he does. You know, he criticized his team heavily heading into whoever their FCS or whatever opponent was going into the, the second week of the season. You just don't hear that from Davos. So sometimes I would like to see him light a little bit of fire under him. Now, we don't know what goes behind goes on behind closed doors in that locker room. Uh, we're not privy yes. to any of that. So we can't assume. I mean, it's easy to assume that he's just coddling them there, too but he's certainly coddling them in the media. 
the entire team. Well, the entire offense. Um, and so, yeah, I do think that's a big part about it is worrying about guys leaving, especially you're at the, th- you're at the four game mark coming up here, right? This is the time mm-hmm. where, where people are going to go. Lynn Jay bolted a game early. Um, so he's going to take a red shirt. That's what you mean. Like you can now have, you can now play four games. And if you play a fifth, you burn your red shirt. But if you only had, or is it four? If you play three, you can keep your red shirt. If you play four, you're out. Is that, is that the cutoff? Uh, whenever. Or can you play four? I thought you could play four. I thought, I thought you could play like okay. a third of the season. Um, but maybe it is a quarter. Maybe it's just three games. Anyways, whatever it is. Um, yeah, it's it, coming it, up. Well, it's either after this game or, <laughs> or it's after the NC State game. Um, so, yeah, I do think that has some to do with it, but I'm not going to put it all on that. But certainly that has to be in the back of his mind. Yeah. Last thought I had just on offensive personnel and, you know, tricks up the sleeve of the coaching staff to find the right mix of talent on this roster and deploy them in the right way. I look at wide receiver and we've seen, again, the running back and tight end position, them solidify and make a move towards specific guys. Um, I don't know, Ben, it, it seems to me like we've got three boundary guys playing three different wide receiver positions right now in Frank Ladson, Justin Ross at the slot and Joe and Gata at the field wide receiver position. And that would be something. And it, it does suck that Brandon Spector is injured. Um, EJ Williams also playing wounded, you know, and he, you can maybe call him a fourth boundary guy if you wanted. Um, finding that slot option, finding that safety valve kind of third down guy. Justin Ross has stepped into that role here and, you know, certainly very talented route runner and got great hands. But you can tell this is not his natural position. So uh, I know we called for it, Tom and I, and I think Tiger Illustrated talked about, do you make an adjustment to move Ross back to the boundary as a playmaker for 50-50 balls? I just don't know who the Hunter Renfro of this team is. And I'm curious if you have any ideas. Well, there will never be another Hunter Renfro. Um, so that's a trick question. Number one in our hearts. Uh, by the way, it is four games. You can play four games. Um, so we'll right. see after the next but game if Dabo gets a little tougher. Um, but, yeah, it's a good question in the slot position. Um, you know, Quacking Tiger mentioned – you've heard a lot of people mention they really wish they would move Ross back to his best position on the field, but the, which is on the boundary. But the problem with that is, is that we're going to have to rely on the short and intermediate passes, at least for the time being. And so if that's the case, I guess, put your best player in that position. Listen, Ross had a hell of a game. I love seeing the fire uh, in, in this game with Ross. And I wrote three people down. I think DJ, Will Shipley, and Justin Ross carried this offense uh yeah. uh through their play and their fire um this past weekend so i don't know it's a good question there it's a reason why they moved him there obviously you wish that the brand inspector would be there um maybe it's something troy uh, stellato can grow into but we just don't have a good answer right now will taylor is not nearly polished and seasoned enough as a wide receiver he's just you know learning that position so um it's really on you just wish guys like Frank Lanson and Jonah, Jonah got it. He's played a lot better this year. Um, I think uh, you wish guys like Frank Lanson would have shown some improvements. Yeah. EJ Williams. Well, let's put it this way, Ben. Very, very I, I agree with you on improvement. 
have they even gotten the opportunity is my question though. Like that, how many targets do Ladson and Ngata have and EJ Williams in the last couple of games? Well, probably because um, they're not, not that many. It's probably because when DJ looks up, they're not where they're supposed to be. <laughs> like I'm be telling valid. you, it's not all on DJ. Like it, and it's, it's just maddening to watch all these guys just bunched up and not look like they know what they're doing and they're not freshmen. Like they're not freshmen. Again, that's where it, it all goes back to the offensive coaching staff for me. The fundamentals are lacking. Dabo says, oh, we're practicing well, but we're not bringing the fundamentals and execution into the game. Coaching staff, coaching staff, coaching staff, coaching staff. And it's, it's, it's all of them, really, in, in my mind. I'm not saying that they're all in the hot seat right now, but if it continues to go this way throughout the season, then I think a lot of them are going to find themselves in the hot seat. Well, my, my thought here, Ben, is um, I think with Dabo bringing on CJ Spiller, he's like, look, yes, this is his first coaching position. Tony Elliott's here. He's the running back's coach. CJ will be fine. He'll come along. Tony's there. He's got his back. Wide receiver coach. Let's bring in Grisham. Yeah, Jeff Scott left. We got Grisham. I'm a wide receiver coach. I'm Dabo. You know, I'll get his back. And I think Dabo's likely been spending a lot of time looking at the offensive line, looking at DJ, like helping out in those aspects. And my hope here is he's going to be able to focus. I mean, Dabo looks like he's sleeping about two hours a night. I don't know if you saw him on the sidelines of the Georgia Tech game or in any of his pressers. You could tell this is weighing on him. And that's good. You want to see that, I guess, you know, because there's a lot to figure out here. Um, but I think he does need to make sure he can carve out those extra 20 minutes to get in that wide receiver room with Grisham on things like route running and, you know, separation and that sort of thing. You know, if these are the guys that we're going to roll with, how can we bring them to the next level of performance? Well, and to the point about Dabo, listen, there's, there should be no questions in anybody's mind that he takes this type of stuff harder than, than any of us. Um, just because he doesn't necessarily show it or he just bombards us with coach speak doesn't mean that he, he doesn't know what's going on and he isn't feeling it himself. Um, as far as, you know, some of those position coaches you mentioned, it's CJ Spiller's first year um, as the running back coach, mm -hmm. and he's doing it coming off of having uh, Travis Etienne. So give the guy a break. Um, the biggest question for me is, you know, not starting Will Shipley. And I think moving forward, we're going to see that happen. Tyler Grisham at wide receiver coach. Um, been here, what, a year now? Year and a, year and a half. This is his second season. Um, yeah. So maybe, a, but he was on the staff before. Um, but it's a lot of the fundamentals and techniques. So, you definitely want to see that improve as the season goes along, or I think that's a name uh, you're going to start to hear about. And listen, I don't know what else to say uh, about the offensive line um, and Robbie Caldwell. Everybody loves him there. He's a Clemson favorite. Um, he means so much to this program. But at the end of the day, the offensive line hasn't been performing. Um, and you can throw out the excuses as if we're young or we're injured and stuff like that, but other powerhouses aren't having this problem. Um, and, and we are. So uh, yeah, at some point decisions are going to have to be made. Fortunately, um, you know, we're not the guys and tiger nets, not the guys and the Clemson fans aren't, aren't the people that are going to be responsible for making those decisions. Um, a guy making 10 plus million dollars a year is, and, 
you know, we're going to just have to trust that he's going to make the right one. And he's brought us two national championships in recent years, taking us to two other um, college football national championship games. So he knows how to do it. He knows how to win. It should be blatantly obvious. Nobody should be able to question that. So, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to see with the, the, the season, how it plays out, what we see at the end of the year. But again, back to our question, what we're, again, we're doing what we're not supposed to be doing here. How do we get from A to B? What, what happens, it's hard, right? What happens yeah. on the journey from A to B, right? What happens in between there? And I think a lot of the things that we just mentioned, um, getting some of the younger guys in and just coaching the guys you have up. Listen, at this point, the injuries are the injuries. So uh, Robbie Caldwell needs to teach, just get these guys up to speed and just teach technique, 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 and, and bring them along game by game. And Tony Elliott needs to be able to scheme around it with what he has on the field. Yeah, ben, I think we've, we've beaten the personnel, you know, drum a little bit here. Um, we can definitely talk about scheme. And I think that's really where a lot of fans ire has been directed. Um, I will you know, in standing up for Tony Elliott before we get into some of the ideas we have to better improve the scheme that we've seen on the field. It's similar. Like if, you know, DJ doesn't have that confidence in his protection or if we can't get the right, the right run blocking, kind of doesn't matter what play you pick, what play you're going to run, it's going to be difficult. Now that said, you can try to move the pocket. You can try to, you know, break your inside zone tendencies and try to find other play you know, other types of run calls um, that can work. And I know you and Cody talked about this. I talked about this with Tom Dianora. You know, there's a lot of a lot of other things you can do, um, you know, in the passing game and otherwise in the scheme to kind of disrupt defenses from either crashing down, you know, if they know it's going to be a run play or dropping eight. Um, but I, on some level, you know, I, I do also, just as much as we give Dabo that benefit of the doubt behind closed doors that he's handling things, like Tony Elliott is not just completely lost up there in the booth. Like he knows how to, how to run an offense and how to call a game. I think he's, he's dealing with really kind of the, the toughest hand he's been dealt up front with the O-line. And yeah, we've had some challenging O-lines in the past with no further than last season and the season before that. Um, but this one I think is an especially tricky group. Well, it's because these aren't experienced guys that are, that are just, average or mediocre there's young guys on this offensive line there's a high upside but it just it did take a long time to develop them so yeah with tony i mean to give tony credit he did what he had to do in the georgia tech game they started running dj uh which gives you an extra player right it gives you an extra blocker and that was effective um i i know we talk about them being hesitant to run him with the fear of injury but you got to win games right and if that's your best uh, pathway to, to winning games you got to risk it um but dj looked great running the ball i loved his fire um and the passion that he showed when he was doing it and people bring this up and it, and it seems obvious but why don't they do this earlier in the game just to loosen him up loosen the offense up get the tempo going start moving the chains more and and again to the offense's credit they did very well on third down conversions in this game um, so some of the stats were good. They were converting those things. We, we ended up finding ourselves behind the chains a lot in a lot of the third and longs, um, which has been a consistent problem for Clemson in the past few years. Um, but Tony did make the adjustment. I would just like to see that come a little bit sooner. I mean, hell, it was a six-hour game. 
<laughs> yeah, that's six another hour, thing. Why six-hour game ben, across we're, we're not, different channels, we're, and we're not breaking this game down as like a microcosm or a referendum on the season. Like it was a weird-ass game, and yeah, you don't want to look too much into that and overreact anything like that. And I don't think that we are. I think we're just kind of calling out things that we're observing, like across Georgia, across SC State, and across this game. Um, you know, one thing I want to say. I agree. He made some adjustments there and, and that seemed to be effective. And not only that, we, we also saw DJ demonstrate some of that fire and competitiveness that yeah. he was famous for coming out of high school. And we saw a little bit in the, he was cool as a cucumber against uh, BC and Notre Dame, but you knew bubbling under the surface, he's a competitive guy. So good to see that. What I will say though, just about, you know, what we saw Clemson does not have explosive plays as part of this offense this year just yet. And I'm sure we're like 115th in the country on explosive play, you know, tendencies. Um, that means you have to sustain these like 10, 15 play drives. Right. Even with our defense doing a kick-ass job in field position and all of that stuff, like you got to sustain these long drives. That just, yeah, I don't care if you're playing Georgia Tech or anybody, it's not a recipe for success. It, it's hard and, to do. The more, the more plays, the more plays you have, the more, the, the bigger likelihood there is for something to go wrong. You saw all the turnovers. We've got like, what, 14, something like 12 fumbles on the year, something like that, um, which certainly is an issue and it does kill drives and it does kill momentum, but it's not the thing preventing us from putting up 40 points. Um, no. Right. But yeah, it is much harder to do that. But again, I go back to it. There's, there's DJ, one great wide receiver, and a potentially great running back on the field. And then what else? Yeah, and to get into of, the 30s works, and 40s. A lot, a lot of works in progress. Right. And I don't know, Ben, I hate to – we're going to put a five-minute timer that we can't mention the O-line from this point on. <laughs> like, O-line is going to need to improve for this team to reach its potential and hit the 30-plus – point mark consistently you gotta win in the uh, don't think you can do that you can't do that without you can't do that with scheme alone right you gotta you gotta hold up in the trenches and not get whoops so um well, the, that's, the that's all i'll thing. say about yeah right, well before we leave that's the other thing three down linemen confuses you <laughs> you got five offensive linemen you're saying they're dropping aid in coverage like why aren't you able to run the ball like i don't get it like I know the linebackers are crashing down as soon as they see it. I do think DJ earlier in the game, um, he needs to keep the ball more on the RPO to to keep the defensive uh, uh, to keep the defense honest. Yeah, and linebacker make the linebackers stay close to the lines, so then yeah, or you know yeah, so they don't crash onto the running back basically. And those are coachable um, moments, and those are things that you know he can improve upon. But again, it goes back to coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, so, I mean, other ideas, I know you guys talked about it, is like introducing more motion and jet toss action. We did see some of that, but in my mind, it was just window dressing early in the game, yeah. kind of before the lighting delay in the first half. I was like, oh, great, we're doing motion. No plays go to the men in motion. There, were, there was basically one jet sweep and one toss sweep on the game. And unfortunately, the toss sweep to Shipley, I think he was a little hesitant and uh, Frank Ladson was called for a, a BS holding call on that play, but it still didn't go for very many yards. I think if we're going to introduce motion, like you have to, you have to include that as part of the play for defenses to think, Oh, I got to actually account for that guy that's in motion. 
Well, it's um, hard. It's so, hard. It's hard to be confident that those plays are going to be successful on the outside if your wide receivers and tight ends aren't blocking. So, we've given Tony Elliott crap over the years for being conservative, being vanilla, and holding back the playbook. But if you don't trust your personnel on the field, are you really going to open the playbook and start? If you can't do the simple things right, are you going to get complex? I, I wouldn't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you kind of can't blame him for it. So um, again, like the urgency seems to be there from everything we're hearing from coaching staff and players alike, you get in front of a microphone. Um, I think the team is now, it's not just that you played an awesome Georgia team. It's that you played a team that is well below you talent wise, Georgia tech. And yes, it was a weird ass Saturday with lightning delays, a two hour lightning delay at that. Um, and that can, that can mess with the team. But again, you know, hopefully the focus is there in practice this week. You got a road competition. Who knows? Maybe getting out of, out of the Clemson area, you know, to go up to the trip can clear guys' minds and um, keep them focused on the task. But execution, that's just going to be really critical for guys to, to do their job and do what's needed. Um, so that's going to be something we're definitely going to look for this weekend. Yeah, but I mean, like, who do we blame here, Tully? Who do we blame? We don't want to blame the kids. Um, we don't want to blame the coaching staff just yet because they're only three games into the season. God forbid we blame Dabo. Um, I'm you know, you know what it is, Ben? <laughs> Here's the thing we haven't mentioned. I'm at a loss. We're three we, games in. Everybody needs to remember we, that. We're three games into the ben. season. I know it looks like crap now. Deshaun Watson looked like crap at one point. So did Trevor. You know who Trevor had, though? Terry Bowden. <sighs> Ooh, yeah. Terry yeah. Bowden's gone. Yeah, and he was Trevor, and Deshaun was Deshaun, ultimately. <laughs> That's DJ, right. DJ is neither of those people. Shipley is not Travis Etienne. Um, but it, but they're, they're going to be good. Like These guys are talented. They're going to be good players. It's going to take time. We are younger across the offensive in general this year than we have been in years past. We're lacking some leadership. But let's see them build that throughout the throughout the season. Let's see this offense gel and build some character. I mean, all the struggles that Marcus Tate is having at guard, that's going to pay off in the long run. Right. I'm with you. And I think they're starting leaders are starting to emerge. And I think you get a guy like Davis Allen, you get Will Shipley into the starter role and that can help solidify their voice on the offense. Um, and hopefully I, I imagine teammates seeing DJ get all fired up, you know, busting ahead for first downs in the run game. Like that's the kind of thing that can endear him to his teammates and, um, really start to build that love, you know, between players. So again, you know, tough, tough start overall for the offense, not what we had hoped or even envisioned, even though we expected a little bit of a step back here. Um, we mentioned the playoff is still a potential option for this Clemson team. It's got to click on offense though. And like we said, it starts really with the offensive line and up front. Um, the guys executing and doing their job well is going to give the coaching staff more options to try to in introduce some scheme wrinkles that we think is also going to help DJ develop. So it's all connected. Let's just, let's just see it happen. Yeah. And one last thing, I think the quack and tiger made a really good point in his article this week. Um, it, at some point you need to start taking those 40 yard field goals and, and putting three points in your pocket. Hmm. Hadn't thought about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, if you're going to, if you can rely on your defense and if we're going to be in these like games in the teens, like, yeah, three, four times down, take 12 points, right? Instead of running a slow developing shuffle pass.
up the, right up in the middle. middle. <laughs> Super ugly. <laughs> yeah, that one, honestly, Ben, my thought is I didn't love the play call, but I think DJ actually pulled the trigger on that a little too early based on the fact that we were a yard and a half out. I think yeah. if he had let that develop a little, Shipley could have gotten a little closer to the line and then, you know, did what he does. But um, I think also there was a, a whipped block somewhere in that. In oh, that, I'm sure there was. Play. Yeah. Might at least one. Might have been three or four of them. <laughs> um, so, look, this offense is better than 14 points. It was not on Saturday. A lot of factors led to that. North Carolina State, I'd have to look at the advanced stats to see where their defense stacks up relative to Georgia Tech. Uh, we do know that they have two key injuries in their defensive front. That plays to the Tigers' advantage. But I think, you know, Dave Doran's going to have those guys – really fired up to to host Clemson. I'm sure NC State thinks, man, we knock off Clemson, the Atlantic is ours to lose. Um, just looking around at the likes of Florida State and Louisville and others. Uh, BC's lost their quarterback now. So um, you know it I don't I don't think this offense is gonna have a ton of time to get things figured out for Saturday. They're gonna have to come out of the gates, you know, and and have a good game script. Yeah, they, they should bring some extra laptops just in case. Yeah, plus one. Sounds good. Um, well, Ben, enough of the offense. We could go on and on, but we won't. Let's flip it over and talk about the D. All right, Ben, so the Clemson defense allowed another six points. Ah, this is kind of unacceptable. I was hoping for a shutout. Um, didn't get it. Guess we'll just have to deal with the six points. Um, Incredible performance, once again, from this defense, Ben. I think we're really starting to see the effect that a healthy Xavier Thomas can have on an opposing quarterback. And just, you know, the guy looks incredible. I, I would honestly say he's he's the bright spot of this defense for me personally. And that's trying to pick from a handful of other guys that are showing out. Um, not sure where you land on that question, but uh, just wanted to say, like, once more, this defensive line continues to be dominant. And you know, we've got some injuries to report coming out of this game or guys that are going to continue to be walking wounded here. Uh, but it's also a deep group and a deep group that I think we are starting to see a lot of really good contributions from. But for me, the standout player of this game and so far has really been Xavier Thomas. And this is where there's the, the clearest, like, connection with the coaching, right? the defensive staff is doing phenomenal. <laughs> like they developed guys. Yeah. They built so many, so much depth. When we were down on the defensive line, they righted the ship there. Um, same thing in the secondary. I mean, you can't say enough about Brent Venables and his coaching staff. I will like to point out that um, how many former Clemson players are position coaches on uh, the defense? I mean, maybe could you kind of, could you count Mickey Khan? Cause he like coached a bunch of, current and former Clemson players. No, and, and that's unfair Jason. too, right? Like like I said, CJ gets a pass. This is his first year and Tyler Grisham is still too early to tell. So sorry, that was a bad joke. Um, but that does say well, a Tony, lot about- Tony Elliott's it, a former Clemson player. Uh, true, but it does say a lot about the the defensive coaching staff and the, ga- the guys that Dabo has brought in and, and Brent has brought in on that side of the ball. Um, and we're still getting, um, you know, tons of good recruits. Um, that's not slowing down at all. We're refilling the coffers when we need to. And the defense this year looks amazing. And they're the sole reason. Well, that and um, kind of nobody else looks 
you know, incredibly great in college football right now, but the defense is a big reason why we still have an opportunity to win this thing. They're averaging getting, giving up what four points a game. Yeah. Four points. I mean, Ben, and that's the thing about college football right now in the ACC. It's not like it's a bunch of other schools with crappy defenses and powerhouse offenses like Oklahoma, Ohio state, like they're struggling to move it on FCS and lesser, you know, group of five teams and, Nebraska, which might as well be a group of five team. Um, so, you know, you put them up against the Clemson D and I know all these teams are going to be better four or five, six months from now, but you know, this, this gives me a lot of hope for the season. Again, if the other side of the ball can kind of pick things up a bit. Yeah. And we've been playing a ton of guys. We've, we've been playing a ton of guys on the defensive side of the ball. So that helps keep everybody fresh. Um, it listen, losing Ty, Tyler De- Davis for seven to eight games is like, crap man not again with this kid like it sucks I want to see him on the field so bad um he's such an incredible player and matching him up with Brian Brisset in there is you know a hell of a one-two punch at the tackle position um but thank goodness like Rook has really come on and he's looked phenomenal no step down when you see him in there I think he's going to be just fine to plug and play uh, for Dial- Tyler Davis to get us through this next seven, eight games, get Tyler Davis at the back at the end of the season will be just fine. Other guys are coming along too. I don't know. So Ruben, um, you know, Trey Williams will get um, some playing time. We really hope to see Demonte Capehart come in there um, and, and, you know, start seeing more of his talent out there on the field that we've been hoping for. Um, Darnell Jeffries is just a solid guy. They can plug in for a play or two if they need to give somebody a, a breather so um as much as it does suck like we're we're talented on that defensive line we're deep on the defensive line and because our our schedule is so weak i think we're going to be just fine even without tyler davis being in there maybe the only silver lining to that and well i've i've heard people mention this saying Mm -hmm. uh, well maybe he doesn't go to the draft this year because he hasn't been able to stay on the field i'm like his measurables and there's enough tape on him for him to be drafted in the first three rounds I think easy. So I wouldn't expect that we're going to see him back next year. Um, not that we need him back because we've, we've groomed enough guys and we have enough depth. I mean, I'd love to have him back uh, to play another season, but um, I, I think, you know, in some years, you know, last year, the year before, obviously last year he was hurt year before that. It makes a big difference with him, him being out. I think this year we're in a lot better position uh, to be able to weather this storm, fortunately. And, um, yeah, you mentioned Xavier Thomas. I could name so many guys on this defense that have really wowed me. Andrew Booth is just a lockdown corner, uh, continues to make plays. Uh, Mario Goodrich. His instincts are great, Ben, too. Like, instincts I would say are phenomenal. Instincts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's that A.J. Terrell, McKenzie Alexander level. Um Mario Goodrich has greatly improved. And then across the linebacking core, you're seeing all the young guys get in there. Levante Bentley had a big game. Uh, and James Skalski, man, that kid, whew, he made some huge plays uh, there towards the end of the game. And specifically that one at the gold line uh, to stuff them going in. And I mean, talk about a leader and he's the epitome of it. And it just, again, you can't say enough about, the defensive side of the ball. Andrew Makuba at safety, making huge plays as a true freshman, really, really a lot of exciting talents 
and production on that side of the ball and really is the main reason why we're going to be able to let this offense kind of get you know, figure themselves out throughout the course of the season. They are going to have to put up more points because the defense, there's going to inevitably be a, a, a game where an opposing coach figures out some way to out-scheme Brent Venables, right? Every team comes in throwing the kitchen sink at us and trying something new. And uh, every okay. once in a while, somebody gets one over on Venables. So at some point, the offense is going to have to step up um and you know help carry the load a little bit but it's going to be more often than not than the defense is just going to lock down and hold folks to 10 points or less Ben something that I've noticed from this team too is there's not not a lot of bus in coverage and really good kind of like group tackling and sort of just tackling in general has been really strong. So yep. what I can attribute that to, I think is just focus. And again, that goes back to coaching staff. Coaching. And I think this defense, this defense knew in this Georgia tech game, they couldn't allow a touchdown. Like they've got the matter of pride of having not allowed any during the course of the season, but you know, they, they put the team on their back and I, you know, I, to maintain that focus championship level focus um, is admirable. And, you know, it was it was awesome to see. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, like the 1990s. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you actually, comparison wise, uh, and this is almost like blasphemy. Does this feel like 2014 all over again, dude? Like dominant D, yeah, question marks on offense, can't quite get it together. Probably had a playoff caliber defense. Like definitely had a playoff caliber defense. Higher up, kept some pieces from it. Higher upside. Yeah, offense. I think higher upside. Right. Yeah, I think you're right on that. Um, I hope it doesn't become 2014. I hope it's like 2016 where we looked a little shaky the first three games. We, were, we beat Troy by one score. Um, you know, Deshaun Watson didn't have it all together. All that stuff early on. The difference there, though, even though we were a little shaky, Deshaun was still throwing it for 300 a game. So definitely uh, not the right season to draw parallels to from the offensive output. But we'll see. Things can click. Yeah, well, just, you know, thank God for this defense. Had had If they're giving up 14 points a game, then we're, we're, we're one and two. two. We're two and one and two. One yeah, and two, that's right. right. I mentioned the offense has been responsible for giving up 43% of the points we've given up to opponents this year. That's one thing that needs to change. Um, so the defense is doing it with the offense helping the other team, which is even more amazing. So that uh, kudos to those guys. They're a really well-rounded group. They're very well coached. Um, and it's just a pleasure watching, you know, all those guys on the field. And I guess the bright side of the offense, not having the ball for long or scoring a lot is that we get to see much more of the defensive guys. All those, you do worry um, as the season goes along of, of guys getting worn down and more injuries occurring. Um, and that's, you know, one area where the, the loss of Ty Tyler Davis is going to hurt. Um, but just it's just so damn deep um that it's going to be hard to see anybody putting up i mean we've we talked about do they hold people to under 10 points a game this year and i think that's a very realistic obviously a very realistic chance um does anybody score more than 20 on this defense in our regular season i'm not seeing it right I, now i think i think we'll see that i don't think we'll see 30 but I could, I definitely think we'll see 20. Sure as hell. Hope we don't see 30. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to be tough. Um, 
All right, Ben. So great defensive performance to start the season. Um, North Carolina State, they've kind of shown you two different types of offenses. Against Mississippi State, pretty inept. Couldn't really get much moving. Uh, they played South Florida, which, again, that's that's a rough program in a rough state at this point. Um, sorry to Jeff Scott there, but calling him how we see him. So, I, look, like, I don't – I haven't done a full scouting report on NC State and the Wolfpack, but I – you know, that is Dave Dorrit is an offensive minded coach. And I think he he's going to try to test the tempo thing with us on second and third down and probably try some play call trickeration, see what he could do to catch the team off guard. Um, Nolan Turner is continuing to shake off the rust and get get his, you know, kind of feel back for the back end of that defense. I think as he and Skalski can continue to be those vocal leaders for communication on the field, you know, that's going to help help brand Edibles get the right play calls in and keep up with that tempo game. Um, I've seen it a couple times against Georgia, SC State, and Georgia Tech here, where um, the players are kind of arms to their side looking over the sideline while the offense is up ready to snap the ball. So that sort of thing is going to creep in here and there. Um, Ohio State exploited it to the deepest potential. You just hope getting – getting Turner back back into the groove is going to be one more thing in the right direction to preventing that from being a real issue. So he can direct guys to know where they got to be, especially I'm thinking about, you know, uh, Bentley and Makuba. Um, I'm sure it'll be Skalski directing Bentley, but you know, those guys being first year starters on this team, you know, they're going to need a little bit more direction. Than most. It's a really great mix of old experienced talent and young talent. Um, that, that really works together well. It, it allows guys like Makuba and Trotter um, and Bentley to shine. Um, yeah, I mean, I can't, again, I just can't heap more praise upon this defensive unit and this defensive coaching staff. It'll be a real shame to to waste this season with all of them, although this is going to be a really great defense again next year, so don't worry, it's not... Uh, it may not be the same levels this year, but again, there's enough guys in the pipeline that we ought to be just fine. Good news for the NC State game too. Trent Simpson will be back. He was ejected for targeting so right stupid. at the end of the first half. Um, they had taken the cameras away due to lightning. Yeah, but even when they said that, like I was like, whatever, they're still going to call it targeting. They always do. I see yeah. so many stupid it- targeting calls week in and week out. I understand protecting the players, but... I mean, you try running around with this giant thing on your head and not like have that be the first thing to hit something or brush or something or whatever. Like, I don't know. I didn't see anything the Trent Simpson uh, hit. Did you? And they remember they it had one reminded earlier me of on. the shot. They had that one ear- that call that they reviewed earlier on in the game. Was it on Xavier Thomas that they yeah. were looking at? Simpson was, Simpson was in on that play too. As I don't well. know which yeah, player yeah. they called it on, but I think it was XT, and he just collected the quarterback and the, the fit their face masks hit, but like he's sacking the guy. What do you want him to do? Um, it was good. That one was overturned, but the, uh, the Simpson ejection reminded me, was it, it wasn't Akuda. Who's the guy that got ejected from Ohio state for popping TL in the Fiesta bowl two years ago. Uh, no, I don't forget the guy's name two years ago. That's the one that it reminded me of you. Um, Simpson wasn't as up in the, the face mask and the chest area of, uh, of Yates, but um, that, you know, again, we had like 
optical zoom, like, you know, zoom in from their cameras because they only had one camera on the field. You know, that's the replay we got to see. So not too much detail. Um, I don't know. That was probably a middle of the road severity targeting ejection. I think we've seen more ticky tack ones stick and, you know, more egregious ones pass. So at worst, it should anyway, be a 15 the, yard penalty. Yeah, I do think having some sort of yellow card, red card system or, you know, flagrant one, flagrant two, like whatever it's going to be, um, you know, that that would be interesting. Or do you like make the guy sit, um, you know, in some type of penalty box? I forget if he was you guys. Play, that play like 10 on 11 for like a play or something like that. Like yeah, something some like that. That could be that could be interesting. I'd rather right? have like that than play. kick a guy out for the entire game or the first half of the next game. Yeah, that's punitive, right? And you, you got to have your quick 10 man, 10 on 11 call up your sleeve. I think that, that could be cool. I don't know. I'm over it. And, and we're not, we're not the only <laughs> yeah. ones. We're not the only ones saying this, right? You hear announcers game in and game out being like, what are we doing here? Um, everybody's questioning it. Of course it should be like, ultimately at the end of the day, um, everybody should act in the best interest of the, the health and safety of the players. But I think this is an overstep and I think it's a clear overstep. Did you see the Maryland, the replay of the guy on Friday night, Maryland against Illinois? That was a, that was an egregious targeting. He just went straight for the helmet, top of the helmet. Um, yeah. That's oh, targeting. yeah. I mean, I've that's seen play, some big ones this year, too. but when you compare those to what Trent Simpson did, it's not even close. It's not even the same ballpark. Right. Yeah, I agree. At the same time, you, know, right. you hope so, it's a learning, learning moment for them because they're going to continue to make these calls. So you got to do everything you can um, to avoid those. But again, thank God that we have guys that are capable to come in and back them up. Yeah, it's good. Depth helps. Um, so the defense is strong, Ben. Special teams, I think you mentioned, would be nice to see BT Potter getting a little bit more involved in the game plan. Points are points. Wins are wins. Uh, we need it. How's Spires been doing for you? Like, it's been a little bit of an uneventful punting year so far, um, which is good. I think Will Taylor is the de facto punt returner. Man, he takes some weird angles, and he puts the ball on the ground a little too much for my liking. What did you think of those those formations where we had both him and Shipley back deep on the punt? Like, what's that about? I'd rather they send it. I'd rather they send it. 11th guy at the punter like I so, think we did that a couple of punt, a couple of times they punted and it resulted in a crappy kick like I gotta well, and, give a shout out to my man John McElhaney calling that out in the STS season preview like we gotta bring pressure on the punts well especially when your offense especially when your offense isn't doing anything because then it becomes a field position game right then those turnovers become yeah. huge when you had Trevor Lawrence or Deshaun Watson sure take the safe bet get the punt fair catch let them drive it down the field and like six, seven, eight plays. But with this offense, I think you do have to take some more chances um, because then again, if you do get a running into the kicker or something like that and they, they get the ball back, well, you still have one of the best defenses in the nation on the field defending them, right? Um, take risks, be bold. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I so I, I think something, I, I think that should be tweaked. Um, again, I'm not, I'm sure there's clearly an explanation for why both 
um, Shipley and Taylor were back there. But, um, you know, it's scary enough having one freshman back <laughs> returning. But, like, one time they almost ran into each other. That's all we need. I don't know. I, but I've that, been super that. impressed by what I've seen out of Will Taylor um, in the return game. And the same thing with uh, Shipley on kickoffs. So, um, and those guys are just going to continue to get better the more experienced they get. Um, you asked me about Spears. I think, you know, he's done as good as we can ask him. Uh, two, he's a senior. He knows what he's doing at this point. He's improved every single year. He's dropped some nice balls inside the 20 several times. Um, really happy with his progression. And it's it's going to mean something this year because if the offense is sputtering out on, on the Clemson side of the field, like you want to be able to pin them back, right, deep and, and give them a longer field to, to work with. It, it all comes down to the field position battle, which matters when your offense isn't able to sustain strives like that. You give your offense a shorter field, you know, 40, 50, 60 yards to work with as opposed to 80, 90, um, you know, less plays, more opportunity for success. Yeah, I think having that great punter or, you know, above average punter and an elite defense, like that works in harmony together and, you know, makes it that much harder for their offense to drive the field, keeps the scoreboard in a manageable spot. Like that's how you do it. I think if we had Bradley Pinion, you know, playing on the 2015 team, who knows against that Alabama team, like what that could have done from a field position standpoint. And um, there were special teams touchdowns for Alabama in that game. Um, wasn't in punting, but I think, I think that definitely would have helped. So that was also a tremendous defense. Um, you know, we, we can all kind of laugh at talking about punting, but when there's a pretty big deficient spot on your football team, like, that kind of thing can make a big difference. Um, also notice BT Potter, not necessarily coming out of the, the halftime break. He didn't, he didn't get a touchback on that. You know, hopefully that's something that's not like, it'd be nice to be able to rely on touchbacks um, in the, in the kicking game well, or in terms of the kicked kickoffs. Two, probably hadn't kicked in two hours. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure it had more to do with the rain delay than anything else, but let's hope that's the case. But yeah, just what a weird game in general. It was the lightning delay. It was all the cramping well, and then they issues got, and yeah, injuries. They, they got the they got the onside kick. Like a Joe, a Joe, you know, he he had the right idea. Slap the ball out of bounds. Yeah. My thing is like, just catch it, dude. Catch it and turn out of bounds. So if they knock it loose, it falls out. He, I went back um, and watched that though. He was behind it. Listen, there was nothing you can do on that. It was just a perfect kick, a perfect bounce up. Um, it, it's hard yep. to fault the special teams on that. And that one, you just got to give kudos to Georgia Tech. It was a it was a good kick, and they literally got the right bounce. Yeah, it's when that happens and you've got the right positioning of your player too, it's kind of like the three things that need to go right, the perfect storm, and they did. Just, I mean, that was shaping up to be, you know, a heartbreak city for Clemson. Like it had all the makings of it. So kudos to the defense getting the job done. James Skalski on third down and fourth down and goal, making the stops, um, sealing up the win for Clemson. Offense tried to give the game away with the safety. If Georgia Tech had fallen on that ball, I would not have been surprised. I mean, we can talk all day about whether we should be under center or not under center. I mean, you got to think Matt Bockhorst, uh, new to the center position. Uh, DJ, only his fifth start of his career. Um, probably hasn't practiced a lot under center. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say put Linjay in there as the, the most experienced guy because he tends to go backwards more than any of the other running backs on the field. 
Um, but I don't know, maybe run it with DJ there. Like don't yeah, run don't it with waste, DJ there. Don't waste the time with a handoff and put a guy that's 250 pounds going up the middle instead of Will Shipley. Well, run the play you run if it was flipped around and he was on the one yard line going into the end zone where he hugs over the center and just tries to get in that way. Like do it that way. That's how NFL quarterbacks get out of the end zone. Yeah, I don't know. We can we can try to break that one down, down all day. You've got, you know, probably one of the strongest arms in college football. Do you just throw it up in the air and let the seconds tick away? I, I don't know. You People ask that question all the time. It's the same thing in basketball. Why don't you just throw it down court to the other end uh, when there's like a few seconds left instead of actually trying to get yeah. the ball in the forecourt? And... A DJ moonshot, how many of those – he you know it was first down um how many of those would it have taken to expire the game clock who knows well and anyway, also you don't laboring you also we also don't want to risk um a uh a penalty there right with him throwing without a re- receiver in the area an intentional grounding yeah yeah roll him out i don't know who knows but yeah it everything you introduce there introduces more error where we could have a, a penalty or um, you know, a botch snap, something like that. So anyway, uh, let's hope we're not in that position where the game's on the line and we're trying to get out of our own end zone. Man. That's a freaky occurrence. Yeah. Or do you just, you know, I, always, I hate, I hate the idea too to just take the safety. I mean, ultimately that's the exact same result that would have happened. Um, and I know people think that's a good strategy, but if I'm going to, if I'm a coach to, I can, to concede, to yeah. concede those points and then put them within a score to With tie. Ball, yeah. If that, if that yeah. goes wrong, then, you know, Oh yeah. Dad will never hear the end of it. So I, I, I sympathize okay. with that, that play call, you know, probably at the end of the day, just running up the middle is the safe bet and your true freshman just happened to fumble it. You know, it did. Yeah, it was a great tackle it, helmet on the ball. Just ultimately yeah. didn't cost us the game and it's a learning moment. I bet they'll practice a lot more in your center now, though. <laughs> I think they will. Um, all right, Ben. Well, that's a painful recap. We appreciate everyone staying, staying through it with us. Uh, a lot of bright spots on this team, a lot to look forward to. Hoping they can figure something out in that offensive line. I think if they can, even if they could get you know 10% better every week, that's going to make a big difference to unlocking the potential of the offense. And we already know we got the defense firing on all cylinders. There's a lot of depth there. So, and that's what we need to see. We need to, sorry, real quick, we need to see that improvement. We technically did see improvement over the Georgia game. Um, DJ played a little bit better. His completion percentage was actually pretty good. The Tigers were nine to 15 on third down. Um, The turnovers are certainly an issue and need to stop um, because that's another thing that can give the game away. But let's see what we come out against NC state. I know that if we only put up, let's say 21 points and win like 21 to 10, we're still gonna be like, Oh, this offense is no good, but it's progress. Yeah, that's right. It's progress. 10% better every week. That's what we need. And, um, you know, this offense can start clicking. So, uh, Ben, I want to go back and say, you probably jinxed this in the off season by saying how boring the season was going to be and how, I've been thinking about how annoying the ACC schedule is. Well, would you rather have this? (laughs) What do you think? No, I would, (laughs) I would rather it be boring and us blowing people out. 
uh, by yeah. 40 points. Triple what I, I meant was, is I would like to see two good football teams play good football on the field um, in our ACC games. Instead, at least this past weekend, we saw not great football. We saw great defensive football. We saw for rock fights. We saw great defensive yeah. football for Clemson. We saw, uh, uh, you know, not any less or more than you would expect from Georgia Tech on offense. We saw a pretty much abysmal Clemson offense. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to give – I'm not here to give Georgia Tech credit for beating this Clemson offense. Like, it should not – there's the, – the talent's not even close. And they'll tell me it was genius to drop eight guys. Come on. I'll say two, two good things about Georgia Tech. They had a good game plan to try to play ball control and yep. in the time of the game and keep the ball out of DJ's hands and tire out our defense. So mission accomplished, and they were able to do that. They played tough, and too. That, yeah, yeah. And I was going to say, like, to that end, Gates, their quarterback, who, by the way, second stringer, uh, that kid was tough. And that kid definitely took his share of hits and stayed in there to the end and almost won them the game on the road in that environment. Um, they stayed focused through the delay also. Like, you know, you can say what you want about Jeff Collins being really just like an Instagram coach and not really an X's and O's around the field guy. But um, I don't know. I'll say like they exceeded my expectations for an opponent this last weekend. You know, they're and, not, I'm yeah. not afraid of them coming up in the ACC or anything, but you know, for them, where they are as a program right now, like I, I expected less. So, well, especially coming off of, of Paul Johnson, right? Like having to completely reshape and reform the offensive philosophy uh, from the triple option to what it is now. Like that takes, it takes time and they're not able to recruit at the same level. So I, I will say kudos to them that their guys played hard. They were in it to the end, you know, 14 to eight had, had the ball there driving the field with a, you know, a couple snaps to go to try to come back and win the game and you know we we haven't seen a lot of teams have that opportunity against Clemson in the past six years and we saw it we saw it on Saturday yeah well Ben um that's enough for this game and maybe the Clemson team let's let's maybe do a quick around the horn on uh national national scene that we can get out of here Really across the board, Ben, I think the the college football playoff, you know, traditional powerhouses, Bama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Clemson, all showing some chinks in the armor. And I think this is actually a, a case where having all the turnover that these, these teams had and having the rest, the rest of college football bringing so many guys back and so much experience back, like that's, I think, what you're seeing now. I would expect the rest of the season or as we get into more games playing out, you're going to see the high, high level of recruiting talent happen on these powerhouse teams, start to get that experience and start to close those gaps or, you know, paper over some of the wrinkles we've seen early on here. We all hope that happens for Clemson on the offensive front because we're a very talented offense as well as a holistic football team. Um, but, you know, I think you, you mentioned earlier about Alabama, like, Yes, Florida exposed some things. I don't know how many teams are going to be able to duplicate that effort. You know, Saban, it's, it's hard to beat Saban with the same thing twice. And I think Alabama is just going to get better the rest of the way. Um, but I think the table is kind of set for Georgia to, you know, to challenge Alabama how they never have before. And 
Um, I think the SEC race is going to be really interesting. Um, the Big Ten is also going to be interesting. Penn State looks the part of a potential conference champ. Ohio State definitely does not in a few aspects of their team. So I, that's actually a team that I would say, like, of the powers that don't figure it out, if Clemson can't get the O-line working, if Ohio State can't stop the run, like, both of these teams might be on the outside looking into the playoffs this year. Well, let's let's start with the only conference that's worth a crap right now, and that's the SEC. Let's don't – yeah, Florida made it close. That is not an indictment on Alabama, I don't think. I think that speaks very highly of Florida. And one game to circle is that Florida-Georgia game that's coming up uh, at the end of October. Uh, that's going to be huge and a very interesting to watch. Um, at that point, that's going to be uh, Florida's only loss. And it is going to be Georgia's only loss um, unless something goes incredibly wrong uh, for both of these teams. I mean, Georgia does have a game against Arkansas, but come on, they beat Texas. Give me a break. I'm not, I'm not buying into that. Um, And they've got at Auburn and Auburn is, you know, what Auburn has always been here in recent years. So I don't think either of those teams uh, really give them, you know, much of a fight. Maybe they do, but, and the same thing for Alabama. I mean, Alabama is going to get the, We'll learn about Alabama after uh, next weekend. They've got uh, home against Mississippi, Ole Miss on the on the second of October, and then they follow that up with a road game against Texas A and M. But you know, Texas A and M hasn't you know exactly um, impressed me this yeah, year. They've been injured quarterback. Yeah, Ole right. Miss, great offense. We'll see if their def- if they're able to put up points in Alabama's defense, and we'll see if, likewise what their defense can do against Bama's. But um, yeah, I, I think essentially what you're going to see, um, you know, at the end of the day is that Alabama, Georgia, and Florida are three of the best teams in the country. Um, now, they're not going to all up in the, end up in the college football playoff. Uh, Florida could have two losses after that game against Georgia, but if it's a close loss, like it's still speaking pretty highly against the, for Florida. And I think that's in part why uh, this game uh, came back. Uh, they came back and ended up the way it did, but a phenomenal game. Uh, I, I've been so impressed. Um, well, not impressed necessarily because a lot of teams kind of have struggled a little bit, but I have been very entertained by the college football season this year. That's for sure. More so than I was last year. And it's just really exciting to see all these good games again, especially when you're sitting, uh, at a bar for two hours waiting on your, uh, your game to come back on, uh, whatever channel we ended up on. Yeah. I think they've done a really good job, Ben, of, like the thing we missed last year was the out of conference games yeah. to the non-conference games. But I think they've done a really good job of sequencing the matchups at the right time of day. So you can kind of bounce around and watch, you know, the best games that are happening there um, and still have time, you know, you know, they don't overlap too many of the best games of the weekend. So as a Clemson fan, I've, I felt the ability to watch my team and not be missing a game I really care about or watch the next best game and, um, I want to also tip my hat to Fox for putting their best game of the day on at noon Eastern or 9 a.m. Pacific. Like if you know you're going to get a pretty good Big 12 or Big 10 or Pac-12 matchup at that nine o'clock slot, you're probably not going up against a great game on ESPN. You're probably going up against some crappy Big 10 stuff or, you know, South Carolina playing somebody. So don't care about that. Uh, it, you know, it's great to be able to to watch that big noon Saturday game. And I, I kind of like that, that crew of guys that, you know, is on the sideline um, kind of doing the previews and the halftime stuff like Brady Quinn. He's a guy as a Notre Dame quarterback, very punchable. 
Um, kind of <laughs> sucked as a Browns quarterback too, but he's an amazing analyst. I got to give it up to him. The USC guys, Reggie Bush and Leinert, not so good. Um, and Bob of, Stoops has a toupee. Speaking of, but other uh, than that, speaking of punching Notre Dame guys, uh, uh, the Notre Dame guy that I tackled last year at the boardroom who tried to uh, accost our, our inflatable tiger, he showed up this weekend. I thought about saying something and just kind of like making amends. I don't know if he would have remembered me, but um, I, I opted against it. It depends him. how hard you tackled him. Oh, it was form tackle to its finest. Last year's defense. You didn't, didn't, want, you didn't want to just tackle him again just for, you know, it's what you do. It's your we eating. Inside the bar this time last year was outside because of COVID protocols. So I don't know. Right. I will give him credit. Yeah. He took it very well last year. Um, and, and, you know, we both were like, all right, cooler heads prevailed. But don't try to take our inflatable tiger, dude. I will hunt yeah. you down. Lesson learned. All right, cool, Ben. Well, um, yeah, cross college football, I think we hit on some of the, the powers. New teams that might challenge, like maybe it is Florida. Maybe they they beat Georgia and they they run away with the East and they can rematch Alabama. Like that could happen. Oregon, we'll have to see about them. I think the Big Ten East, like you say, SEC is the only conference worth a darn. Like Michigan State and Michigan prove it to me by beating really good teams first, beating Washington and Miami. That it's not 1991. Like that's not impressive. It's not yeah. 2000. So, uh, but Penn State. I, they do look impressive. They Iowa State completely I mean, shut down Iowa, legit, and, and Iowa. Yeah, but both of those teams are going to be interesting to see how that plays out um, down the stretch here. Like, I welcome some of this new blood, you know, contending for these conference titles because we were talking about the Big Ten in the off season, like it was going to be, you know, the ACC redux with Ohio State and just everybody else. So good to see at least that conference starts to be entertaining and. Man, if Oklahoma is not quite the offensive juggernaut that they've been, I don't know who the second best team in the Big 12 is, but you know that could also be a very upset, rife conference. Considering the how them and Texas, Texas has looked this year, uh, maybe we were a little premature in getting too worried about them jumping shit to the SEC. They might get their offer rescinded. Um, I will say, Penn I, well, State, I, made, I made the I made the joke on Twitter, Ben, that BYU and Cincinnati are the two best teams in the Big 12 right now. That's a good point. And oh, it wasn't man, even that, a joke. <laughs> that's Cincy Indi Indiana game. So the Cincinnati fan club is also um, at, at the boardroom, the Clemson bar here in San Francisco and gotten to know those guys really well over the years um, and really rooting for them. And it was fun to watch uh, them come back against what was it? Indiana this past weekend. Um, Penn state. Yeah. James Franklin is in a money year. So uh, a lot of writing on the line for him. Um, totally. and, yeah, or in Oregon. Super impressed by Oregon. Say what you will, you you will about Ohio State, but um, I was impressed by them. I was impressed by Anthony Brown, and they have a cakewalk of a schedule, um, uh, here on out uh, in the Pac-12. So, you know, we'll see if they pull an Oregon, but um, they've got a path to the clear path to the playoff right now. They went out conference champion. They're they're in as no a question. Two, they're yeah. in as a two or three seed. Right. And look, it's way too early for us to start like adding up wins for all these other programs and talking about Clemson's path. Like, let's let's win a game by two scores first against a, a power five opponent uh, before we can start really doing that kind of thing. But um, yeah, it, 
there will be chaos. Some of these teams will lose unexpectedly. Then it's going to be about resume. Ben, we talked in the offseason about Clemson might need to, especially if we lose to Georgia, put up some style points later on. I definitely think Clemson's going to have to put up style points. Um, let's just put up points. Let's start with points. Yeah. Put some style on it. Let's start with, uh, you know, double digits. Keep that going. Yeah. <laughs> Build from there. Work from there. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we, are, right, we, well, are get, uh, we are getting in kind of the conference schedules where it does become a little less exciting. Um, but you do have Texas A&M at Arkansas this weekend. So I think that'll show us some stuff. I think what is most likely to happen is that it's going to be a, a, either a crappy high-scoring game in their defense or a crappy low-scoring game in their defense. Um, it won't tell us much about either team. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it says something about um, Arkansas, if they were able to pull it off. I really just don't know which way to go on that one. Um, Notre Dame at uh, Wisconsin. I'll be watching that one. See Ches Malusi. He's getting like 20-plus carries a game, averaging 150 yards a game. I uh, guess who would be the starter on Clemson this year? That guy, if he was still here. Yeah, good for him. Sucks for us to lose him. That game's being played at the Bears Stadium in Chicago. Um, and Alabama's got a bye week, right? Uh, which is a little early to have a week off but yeah Clemson had that a few years ago and it wasn't oh no they're playing Southern Miss so yeah they got a bye week oh <laughs> okay that's what I thought <laughs> <laughs> sounds right and then they play Ole Miss next week we got her yeah yep got it all right well uh we'll be back next week Cody's on his second honeymoon delayed honeymoon it's his one year one, anniversary vacation one year anniversary he's coming back tomorrow from hawaii uh props to his dog for not barking once during this entire episode and getting my dog riled up so go go team amazing over here yeah yeah done a good job that's less likely than the georgia tech onside kick recovery so true or probably more like more, more likely so. um right all right well uh, we'll be back to recap nc state uh should be i don't know ben um gonna be tense it's like a what a 5 30 game or it's a 3 30 game uh eastern uh it's a 3 30 game eastern and this is gonna be the first regular season acc matchup in quite some time that i'm gonna be going in with um things a little uh pinched a little tight down low if you know what i mean yes it's not well, a foregone. Yeah. It's not a foregone conclusion anymore, folks. Like until we see this offense get going, it may not be pretty. Now, right? We'll be watching. We'll be recapping win, lose, or draw next week. Uh, tune back in for that. Obviously, more conversation about progress made on this football team and what the season outlook is going to going to shape up to be. So, the over under for tuning in. The, the over under. Oh, like the over under is forty seven. Take the under all day, right? I think so. That predicts a game in the 20s, like mm -mm. 27 to 20. You see that happening? 24 to 23. What's the spread? Are we favored? We're probably favored by what? 10. 10 points, right? So, um, no, I'm not seeing that. I would say take the under. <laughs> till proven, till proven that we can get over that. Yeah. That's that's crazy. That's right, my betting advice for the week. There we go. Ben's batting corner. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. As always, 
Go Tigers.